Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we're honored to welcome uh, Lori Chavez de Reamer. Lori has uh, a actually won an election, which is <laughs> uncommon rarity, for a yeah. lot of our, of our guests. Are you saying it's rare? It is, it is, <laughs> it is <quite> somewhat rare, <laughs> rare for uh, those of us right of center. And uh, so she was four term mayor of Happy Valley, correct? Two term. Two term. Oh, four, four years. Year four years. Oh, yeah. four year terms. So eight years, two terms. Okay. Sorry, I screwed that up. Um, she ran for state representative a couple of times, and that's where we met is knocking doors for your campaign in 2018. And then uh, now you're running for Congress in uh, CD4. No, five. five. CD5. That's correct. Okay. CD5. Okay. Screwed that all up. But anyway... Um, why don't you uh, give you a couple minutes to introduce yourself? And uh, you mentioned you're, you're from California and you've been up here for a long time and, you know, how you got into politics and. Uh... Yeah, great. Thanks, James <laughs> and Nick. I, I am glad to be on the podcast with you guys. Right. I mean, I think a voice of a local politician sometimes is um, unusual when we're talking about a congressional race. Right. How do you decide on running for Congress? So I'm Lori Chavez Dreamer. I am been married for 30 years. I've raised twin daughters, primarily here in Oregon, from first grade on up. They're now going to be 27, so I've been here in Oregon for 21 years. Uh, always lived in Happy Valley, and I decided to run for for a local office. Really, I started off kind of on a parks committee, and then city council for six years, and then served as the mayor for for two terms, 2010 to 2018. I know you mentioned. Um, I ran for state rep in 16, and mm-hmm. I ran again in 18. Lost both of those, and so now we're going to the to the losers bracket. It's kind of <laughs> difficult to see, um, but you know that doesn't mean you quit. Did, and that, didn't that's mean kind to of, throw that. No, in the I appreciate there. it just... because you know you have to be honest with the voters, and you have to be honest with just people in general, right? You can't win them all, and you have to get up and keep trying. And you know sometimes the best candidate doesn't win just because of the way the lines are drawn, and just because of other things outside your control. I mean, this this district um, has just gone. It has gone over to the Democrats, and it's going to take a lot to get it back. And I don't think it has anything to do with you or the campaign that you ran. It just—it's uh, the nature of the demographics and the and the gerrymandering to get. Well, I think there's some of so it's mostly Happy Valley, which is kind of a conservative area, but it it the district you're running for also included a big chunk of East Portland, That's which correct. just brings it from fifty fifty over to D plus eight or something. Well, at that time in 2016, it was a D plus 10, almost 11. Oh. Why would I ever file for a D plus 10 district, right? Why would I ask myself that? Yeah. But as former mayor of Happy Valley in a nonpartisan seat, when you are serving a population 
of at one point was 4,000 up to 25,000. And a lot of those people move from around the area. You know, I, I garnished a lot of support as the mayor because I was focused on values or goals that the entire city had. So mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not hard to talk to left or right. It's what's your focus? What are your values? And can I get them for you as your elected leader? I mean, really, that's kind of where I started. I had kids in school. I had a, a business that we were starting here. I was new to the community and knew no one and thought to myself, how do I get involved? And so we all start in the same aspects, whether it's PTA, whether it's, like I said, Parks Committee. And I, I, it's funny because in 2004, I went to the city council and I, I saw a, somebody had re- retired, was going to be moving, and this open seat was going to be available. I remember coming home, I read it in the little local newspaper, mm-hmm. and I told my husband, I said, I'm going to run for the city council seat, or I'm going to apply. He's like, excuse me? <laughs> Seriously. And I'm like, listen. I have, a, I have a degree in business. I'm an educated woman. I'm raising twin daughters. I just put you through medical school. I run this household. We're starting a new business. I'm pretty sure I could participate very well in a, in a community of 4,000, 5,000 people. Right. So I did. I went down there, and funny, they did not pick me. They had no idea who I was. They were like, you know, I want you to get started on a committee. So it's kind of funny that that is where we start, but -hmm. it's no different than, you know, um, a congressional seat and you'll hear a starting speech and it's like, well, I got involved because, you know, X, Y, Z. I got involved because my kid wasn't being paid attention to. I got involved because the roads weren't being fixed. I got involved because there's so much regulation I can't do my business. I got involved because I want to feel safe on the streets. Those issues are the same in a congressional run. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe on a little smaller scale, but if we're talking about representing Oregon in, in um, Congress, the voice is the same. Please stop regulation. Please allow me to be safe when I walk the streets. Please help my kids get educated. Please let me make some money. And please stop putting barriers in the way. Well, guess what? I know how to do all of those things because I've had the experience. So it's kind of where it started. Come full circle, you know, 16 years later. And yeah. here we sit. So you're uh, a real life Leslie Nope. You like started out <laughs> trying to fix the the smallest of things. Well, and I feel, and it's funny because we we talk with a lot of individuals on this podcast where there's a lot of uh, you know at the at the national level, even at the state level. I you know, I was on New Bueller's campaign, so you get into a lot of these heady thirty thousand foot view arguments where good government is the government that, like you say, can just take care of the very little, very basic things. We need a stop sign at Fifth and Main Street because people are coming there all the time. It's like, hey, well, somebody's got to actually get up and go do that. We need kids who can get through school and start without needing remedial classes in college. Like, hey, somebody needs to actually stand up and go do that. And then you get towards the more national level and things get bifurcated into R&D. But at, like you say, at this level, it's who is the person who's best able to actually get something done? And for somebody like you, who's done a lot of stuff, it's it's a natural fit to, to kind of climb all those stairs. That's right. And we extrapolate that. So the, the stop sign, that seems easy. It mm. should be easy. It's usually actually not that easy. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you kind of laugh about it, but actually, to be honest no, with you, I when I tried to get signage off of the 205 to with directional way to Happy Valley. Can we please have a sign that says Happy Valley's this direction? You're talking almost four years 
They wanted $250,000 to print a sign because wow. I had to go through the regulation. Mm. And it took layer after layer after layer to get that done. And people look at you like, really? How is that a thing? Well, government is that thing that can get in the way, right? Those barriers. So, and we might talk about a stop sign, but why do we want the stop sign? Because we don't want our children to get killed. Now mm-hmm. that becomes a personal issue for maybe mm-hmm. a mom or um, you know, somebody involved who's had a personal personal problem. So now mm-hmm. you want to fight harder for why that means I need to focus on these little issues. We're talking about funding. We talk about barriers to doing that. We talk about safety for our kids. Those things I think where on the national level you have to heighten them and, and they can apply to any state in the union that people worry about these things. And so what's happening today that we're seeing and why would I run today in 2021 for a 2022 seat held by a 10 year incumbent mm-hmm. possibly. Now my intention is the new seat and okay. and that's kind of a focus of what does that look like? But we kind of mentioned the lines as we first got on. I yeah. don't know if it was recorded, but we don't know where that is. Right. So to worry about who my opponent is at this time doesn't concern me. I'm more concerned with is Oregon's fifth district or sixth district or any part of Oregon being represented to the best it can be today by the current representatives that we have? And I would say the answer to that is no. So you don't have to declare which district you're running for at this stage. I did file for CD5. Okay. Okay. Um, and we can move, you know, we can, curious, we, yeah. we can look at that and, and, and move that as we see the numbers, but we don't know where those numbers are. And I right. think that you're going to see maybe several candidates around the nation, not just Oregon, move. You know, and it might not even be CD5, might not be where Congressman Schrader is. Yeah. We don't know where those lines are. So that's up in the air. That's There's already Loretta Smith has announced for CD6, and there is, as of yet, there is not a CD6. This is late July of 2021. Right. CD6 doesn't exist yet, but she's already running for it. That's and right. It's like, okay, she, you're just, you know, putting the cart before the horse, I guess. But, what, but no, I don't think that's uncommon. To, you, I mean, we were talking about fundraising a little bit before the, the podcast, but you have to get started early because you you can't get giant twenty fifty thousand dollar checks when you're running for congress you can only get twenty nine hundred dollars per person and when you're getting i mean a low amount from a bazillion people you need time to call all those people and build relationships and and you can't just wait until the lines are drawn and then try to throw together a campaign at the last minute and covid played into that we know that right, right? well yeah. we don't have the numbers we should have already seen where these lines are which would have made it you know by June or we would have had some numbers and that's usually the case. So mm-hmm. we now know that we might look into September or, you know, depending on. Yeah, I think September. If it goes to the courts or does any of that crazy stuff. Yeah. You can't possibly wait until January right. or February if it went to the courts to start a campaign at this magnitude. Right. So that was important to me. That's part of my when you talk about what's your what's your how do you reach out to people and say why I'm a viable candidate, one the mm-hmm. experience, why I can run um, a campaign of this magnitude for 10 months and then again another, you know, 6 months after that. Mm-hmm. I sometimes ask myself that question too, <laughs> but I've done it before, so I can do it again. How do you raise, you know, a quarter of a million dollars in just a few months to be a viable candidate across, you mm-hmm. know, in other people's eyes? And and we've already done so in two weeks. We're over the hundred thousand dollar mark. Congratulations for twenty nine hundred dollars a person. I, I don't think yeah. that that is, you know, and and you know what? I've gotten $5 and $10 and $15 because people are paying attention. They're tired of what's happening. They feel mm-hmm. 
um, we're, we're in the, um, CD5 is just a lower part of Clackamas and then it heads south down into Marion County and all the way you know, to the coastline, right? And almost mm-hmm. all of the central coast. So what are the issues that they're facing? Well, I can tell you this, they're not being answered as they, as they should have been or could have been in the past. And now people are feeling that with whether it's um, the workforce, you know, whether it's their kids in school. Again, the safety issue is a big issue. Uh, we're feeling it right here in this portion of the district and all around Oregon because Portland's right next door. Yep. And, the, and it's kind of creeping out to the suburbs. Um, but it's not something that other people haven't seen in the crime issues across other states. When I'm watching the news, D.C., St. Louis, Philadelphia, Seattle. Chicago, yeah. Seattle, um, it's, and Portland's been on the national news every single night for the last year and a half. Everybody I know who knows I live here, I've even gotten calls, and maybe you have. You live right in the heart. I live, yep. Are you safe? Are, is everything okay? Yeah. Do you, you guys really yeah, go yeah, yeah, down yeah, yeah, there? Yeah. Tell me what it yeah. really looks like. Oh, yeah, I get that scared. all the time. Yeah, and we, you know, right outside my my condo is homeless people all the time shooting up. I went on a run just yesterday and was um, coming past the Bank of America building, the big pink. That's Bank of America, right? No. 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 U.S. Bank building. Uh, U.S. Bank. Bank. Ah, shoot, the other one. The other American bank. Anyway, um, and uh, this lady just uh, is just sitting in one of the little, little cubbies uh, with a needle in her foot, you know, bleeding out and just kind of staring off into space and uh that's common it's it's daily we see right. that stuff and uh you know it, it's it's tough for you know the, the left likes to blame republicans for everything but it's tough when your mayor your city council your metro your state representatives your and now your your president your congress is all controlled by democrats it's like how how is this you can't just, it comes to a certain point where you can't spin it anymore. You have, you have to put the blame on the people who are in charge. And that's, that's the Democratic Party. You know, you can't blame Republicans for what's going on in Portland because there worked. are no Republicans that, there. That worked the last four years because they thought they had somebody to blame. Mm-hmm. There, was, right? there was a boogeyman yep. at 1600 yep. Pennsylvania right. Avenue. And now the boogeyman sudden. is no longer in office. And again, how do you how do you spin it again? And a one-party system or a one-minded system doesn't really work that well. And you probably find that in your daily life, in oh, yeah. your work, in your conference rooms, Right. A, a, a more of a blended approach to how we s- solve issues, I would say, is a better approach, a more balanced approach. I found that as, like, again, as mayor, an all a men all in one room, maybe you don't get all of the options to choose from. Same with all women in one room. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't think alike, all of us. So it doesn't matter. You get youth in a room. Their, their solutions are way more dynamic than, than my solutions. So I'm always appreciative of having a younger mind in the room. But either way, you know, that's kind of on a simple terms. But, but uh, one-minded um, approach is never good. And then when yeah. you can solicit even the slightest off and bring them to your side without any reason, and they just say yes to all those, then you got your yes men and yes women, yeah. that's even a bigger problem. And that's yeah. what I find is happening in the Oregon. Sycophancy is, yeah, is a disease that just breeds more and more in and of itself. And if all you do is just hey, have people that agree with each other, and it's just like, oh mm-hmm. my God, there's nothing ever gets done. And why do you suppose that is? I mean, I know I'm not in charge of this podcast, but really, <laughs> why do you suppose that, that you want the yes men and women? 
people well, love to feel that they're right about things. People yeah. that uh, all people want echo chambers feel great. Look at look at the pictures people put on Instagram. Like, people do it for likes. People do it for retweets. Everything mm-hmm. like that. And everybody's like, that's this is all that people care about is is <laughs> affirmation. Nobody wants to put something out there that challenges thought. Nobody wants to put something out there that they know half their friends are going to disagree with. So what you? I mean, I you go on Twitter all the time, and we we just saw this uh, for the mayor's race in New York. Andrew Yang had millions and millions of followers and he came in a distant fifth place because Twitter is just this giant echo chamber and people forget that Twitter is not real life and it was like Eric Adams is I don't even know it was the Bronx Borough president or something like that who had like 68 people follow him on Twitter but he but, relate, he was relatable yeah. to the mm-hmm. to the on the ground issues he had good experience people knew what he was people knew what he was about he wasn't just parachuting in like Andrew Yang was after the presidential run and he said hey I'm gonna take over after horrible Bill de Blasio and I'm gonna actually make this a better city and everybody on Twitter was so excited for Mayor Andrew Yang and well because of the thousand dollars a <laughs> yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody like maybe we're going to get a paycheck. A yeah. right. We're going to get another paycheck. In yeah, the right. yeah. <laughs> so I, I love that you're kind of trying to keep focus on, you know, issues that affect everybody, the the crime, the, you know, issues that are, that are these, um, I forget the term for it. Anyway, um, you're going to get difficult questions, difficult topics as it, as it comes later, divisive topics. I don't want to um, throw you any curveballs or whatever but uh what, what do you anyway. no no no, 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 not, no, no i'm not going to I'm just like what what do you what do you have a plan or what do you what do you think about trying to keep things focused keep the the conversation focused on where it needs to be and not get sidetracked by some of these other issues that um the left likes to to throw at us Give me an example of one that you're uh, that you I think. I mean, Trump is. So, <laughs> so being the, the question one. you're asking me. I mean, what are you asking? Me? Well, I mean, ask me the question. It's, it's, are you going to vote for Trump in 2024? Well, I w- wasn't going to ask that, but <laughs> I mean, there's it's the Trump. Is President Trump running for office in 2024? Yeah, probably, probably. If we if we I, assume I would, he is, I would. But see, there's the question. So you have to make yeah. the assumption, right? Because okay. because we don't know. Like, right? We could guess all day long. If you had told me that President Trump could have won the primary when he first started, I, I don't know if I had believed that. You I know, certainly did not. Right? We, we all were laughing. We like, come on. Like, this oh. isn't real. And then he started to be a man of substance no, that we thought we could relate to when it came to business, when it came to regulation, when it came to we want something different. That's what he was the voice of. We were looking for something better than we had the eight years prior. So... As it moved through the primary, I thought I could get behind the, I could get behind what he's fighting for, and so I did. I did vote for President Trump. Okay. I mean, I, I don't. I don't not tell anybody that. Okay. Everybody who asked me, you did go. you vote for him? Yes, I did. I was a delegate for President Trump. That's right. In, you were. You know, unfortunately, that. we didn't get to go because of COVID, but. I was a, a Trump delegate, Trump Pence delegate, and and I was looking forward to representing Oregon on at that time mm-hmm. and I still am if he runs for president in 2024 I would look forward to seeing what substance he's going to bring for the for who we are then today because mm-hmm. we're in real crisis so sure. you know to say yes or no black or white you know these issues get more complex and more complex as we move through the system so if you're talking any big issue you can always ask me because I will be as honest and authentic as who I am today because that's the way we have to be. Yeah. We're tired of dancing around the issue. So 
That's no, where I, mean, I that's, stand. That's fair. So uh, I'd be curious. In um, we had Alex Garlotto's come on the podcast at one point, who was the uh, the Republican nominee for CD four, and I know uh, a big focus of his campaign was was lumber, was jobs, was commerce, was trying to get Oregonians back to work in CD four. In January of 2023, when we have uh, Congresswoman elect Chavez Dreamer. And she's going to Washington. What is, you know, what's HR one? What's going to be the first thing on your agenda <laughs> that you that you want to get done? Assuming that we've got a Republican Congress, say, assuming that you can get people I'm on sure board. Sure, they let it. freshman Congress people pick HR one. They That's do. Yeah, right? <laughs> when we have May- Madam Mayor coming into Congress, yeah, she's going to take the bull by the horns on that one. Well, you know, um, I. And Alex talks about lumber because that's his, where he's from, right? Yeah, I mean, sure, that's yeah. his passion that's and industry. And there's, there. yeah. well, all of Oregon is a timber timber nation, right? I mean, my yeah. gosh, if you can't really go anywhere outside of just right here in Portland and not be affected by the timber industry or get to know somebody who's who came from there. And during my state rep race, same thing. Go down to Roseburg, go down, you know, anywhere. And, and We're sitting in your house right now looking out of your backyard. Oh timber is a very big component of Isn't it. Isn't it, though? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a, a slight remodel and yeah. it's a... That there, there's I, a I lot of timber out there. there. Yeah. And it the, was quite expensive. And I, and I think I bought it at the height thinking that wasn't a good idea at this point <laughs> because uh, how fast it shot up. Right. And so what is yeah. he protecting? He's protecting that same timber industry mm-hmm. that should be protected. Right. Even even Ted Wheeler, mayor, mayor of Portland, comes from timber, timber family, timber town. Tim, yeah. Well, he got caught up probably in a little bit of more power and control. Right. Well, you sure, start to his, get, like, his, again, it gets to oh. back to you start to say yes to things and forget your your get roots. Your roots. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I can understand that. um Alex can would would fight for that, and I would say he he has a reason to. He has a lot of businessmen. He has families who count on that. We counted that for um, uh, uh, funding for rural schools, right? For timber industry, we should be able to self fund not only Oregon, but quite a few other states on the timber that we produce here yes, in the state of Oregon, yeah. right? So I would say you're going to have to focus on uh, land management. You're going to have to focus on the forestry practices that are now burning down. We're, we're yeah, burning yeah. down Oregon. Yeah. I mean, look what's happening right at this moment that people are losing everything. Not only do we not do that, we don't even invest in the, the lumber mills to continue to do, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, yeah. have the timber ready for market, right? So we're counting on Canada, we're counting on China, yep. we're counting everywhere except right except here in our, our own backyard, backyard we, we a renewable about, resource. Yeah. Yep. We so talk about, I'd be right behind that argument for those timber people awesome. um, yeah. in the rest of the state, absolutely 100%. We, we talk about local farm to table with our food, we talk about local everything, Except when it comes coffee, to timber, beer, yeah. coffee, beer, except when it comes to timber, instead we ship it in from, from Canada. And you know, it's the environmentalists who are, who are complaining about, who don't want us to, to log our national forests. But at the same time, how do you think we get it down here from Canada? On big old diesel trucks. That's exactly right. Meanwhile, we could be clogging cutting it, it cut, clogging it by five. We, more, meanwhile, we could be cutting timber locally, managing the forests so they don't burn down, and not have to truck that stuff across the country. Here's my question I always ask when they're in the industry. Forest, let's just talk, keep it on that just for a quick second. Sure. Uh, forestry management and, you know, timber families. Who do you think is the biggest advocate of their own industry and doesn't want to destroy it more than they do? Right. Just then. Absolutely. Why, why do we insist that they want to destroy their bread and butter and what they actually love, mm-hmm. not hate, they don't care. I mean, 
you know, we can go into the corporate world and say, oh, they're just going to, you know, uh, desecrate the, the, you know, the forest and Oregon's being left with no more trees. And it's just, have you looked outside? Right. There's a lot of them. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> and if you've ever gone to their forestry practices or ever gone out there and watched them manage those forests, you know, they cut down a tree every 50 years and they replant twice as many. Mm-hmm. They, there's no better uh, advocate for that industry than them. Mm-hmm. And when government gets in the way of that is where the problem comes because we think we mm-hmm. know better. So I, I'm all about R&D for the industry of the people who are doing it because that's the power of that, of them knowing and digging into their own industry to make them bigger, better, and stronger is how we need to apply it for all anything that comes out of Oregon and, and timber, obviously. Trees is, is the most renewable resource, and it's not going anywhere. Well, inside, it's it's a. Yeah, I'll apologize to the listeners, the the very few faithful listeners who stick with us for every podcast, because it's a point that I've mentioned before. But I I grew up in Texas, and I my father still lives in Austin, so I spent a good amount of time down there. And every time I go down, the contrast between Oregon and Texas is just is is frightening, frankly, as a Oregonian, because every time I'm down there, there's Facebook is moving there, Tesla is moving there, Amazon is moving there. When was the last time a company moved to Oregon? When was the last time a startup here in Oregon IPO'd? Mm-hmm. Dutch Brothers is going to IPO coming yeah, up. And later it's the this first year. one like a decade. Uh, yeah. And it's, yeah. There's, there's like no companies that ever end up being success stories here. We have Intel and Nike and Col- uh, to Columbia and Columbia's Adidas got to a lesser extent, Chrysler. Yeah. But like the, there's very little of a corporate presence here. And I, I'm, I'm right there with you on Timber. And to kind of extrapolate it out, there needs to be I'd argue a, a much more stringent focus on commerce, on business, on making it a business-friendly state, on letting people earn money, on letting people keep the money that they have earned, and we just we don't see that at any level from leadership here in Oregon, That's and it's right. it's a crying shame. And the one size fits all we know doesn't apply, right? So again, Portland is not our Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This bubble yep. that we have here. And it happens in every state, right? You know, Phoenix and, you know, the rest of the state. Or mm-hmm. we, we, we know that, right? The, the more liberal policies usually are in the city centers. That, it's not a shocker to you, and it's probably not a shocker to me. But how we apply the laws is across the state, right? The state yep. legislature. Yep. And, and so now let's get into the districts of even Congress. That's how that works. When the person who's representing the district doesn't necessarily know what's happening in the entire district because of the gerrymandering, because mm-hmm. of the, the one-offs. Like I said, I think Blumenauer reaches down in here to Happy Valley, too. Here, here's an example in the state. Yeah. I was the mayor of a city of 24,000. I had six legislators representing Happy Valley. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Uh-huh. Three senators, three state reps. So if I wanted anything for Happy Valley as like-minded as they are, I had to call six different legislators and try to get them all on board. Well, what are they gonna do? They're gonna splinter me because they're gonna say, well, I've got Portland to think about, I've gotta make sure I'm paying attention to the rural areas, I'm like. Somebody in Troutdale, some other person. So they cannot balance their focus as a legislator Mm -hmm. on the area that they're representing of of like industry, like business, um, you know, like-minded because they're all, all splintered. And that's what we're gonna see here in this c- congressional race as well, right? So, like I said, Blumenauer, who represents mostly Portland, a 24D district, has a nice little finger down right into Happy Valley. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is, just goes back to gerrymandering. We've talked about dr- line drawing and gerrymandering a lot on this podcast. Uh, we were just talking beforehand about the uh, Shelley Boster Davis episode where we spent the entire time talking about gerrymandering. But 
three-fifths of our congressional districts have a corner of Portland. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in 972... By design. By design, oh, yeah. because it makes them all blue. I, I live in 97209, and when I punch my number into the congressional finder, it says, we can't find your, your representative because there are three congressional representatives this that... Is- that service my zip code. That's what I'm saying you know, about Happy Valley. So it's the same I, thing. Yeah, I live I live on Burnside, on the south side of Burnside, and on the north side of Burnside is a different congressional district. I mean, you want to tell me that the Goose Hollow is different from the, the Pearl, Pearl District? Right. Like, the, and you know, the north one goes out to the coast, and the and the south one goes out to the coast, and then the east one goes out to um, to Hood River, and you know, they, they all come, they're all gerrymandered in a way that it keeps right. them keeps them democratic because they've got that that central core of of Portland, right? And so, um, therefore, what follows that is the restrictions and regulations, mm-hmm. the funding. If you ever, if you've ever been, they know their base. In a, yeah. You know, just like Oregon mm-hmm. fights for federal funding, right, from every other major major mm-hmm. state who's also fighting so what do we have five legislators you go to texas and you've got you know 55 right here we got a little bit of an issue yeah, about yeah. and so if they can bring more funding to the federal government they're going to get more funding back right mm-hmm. and so they're going to fight somebody like oregon so it happens all the time it's all about balance and it, it's but you have to be at the seat of the table and you have to represent the people for what they want, not what I personally want always. There's not, that's not always a good plan. And so when you asked about focus and stuff, you know, we're talking about law and order. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, that trickles into every community, right? Yeah. And what's happening now? Where's the focus happening in D.C.? When it's, you know, people have been killing people on the streets of D.C. for a very long time. And yeah. now it happens in, a, in an elite neighborhood and all attention is brought to, ooh, mm-hmm. we've decided we'd like our police officers mm-hmm. back. The other issue I'd like to focus on is, you know, in our defund the police nonsense that people have been spouting for a really long time. People can be held accountable for how they act and react in their their choice of line of work, and that and that's happening. But to lump all police officers and all law law enforcement who protect us at every turn, and they'll run into any. Um, mm-hmm. dangerous situation because that's how they're trained to disrespect authority disrespect mm-hmm. the people and say they don't understand I often remind people just like our National Guard these are our community members mm-hmm. and they want to replace them with a community police force it, what do you think that they are yeah. okay so maybe you just want to change the name of them but they are our neighbors and they are our fellow citizens they're doing their job for their kids and their families as much as they're doing it for for you next door. So to degrade and disrespect that law and order is disgusting to me. And I will fight on that issue always. Yeah. Same Agreed. for the military, same for our youth. Those are my those are my three targets. Um you know, and, and along with that comes the drug issue, comes the border issue, becomes the opioid issue, becomes you know, yeah. again goes oh, back yeah, to the core values of your family. When, when you when you don't feel safe, you can't run a business, you can't go for a walk, you can't like all of, all of the joys of and freedoms that we that we you know participate in as as Americans, you can't do those things if you don't feel safe where you are. And you know, I I think downtown Portland is a great example of that. The only spot in the state where property values are declining mm-hmm. because nobody's moving there. People are moving out of the city center because it's such a disaster between the riots and, and Antifa and the things are boarded up and things are closed from COVID and there's homelessness everywhere. Um, 
you know, you can, you can, U.S. News and World Reports can talk about Portland being the 10th best place in, in the world to live. Oh, but God, you remember that list? Prop, property values are declining because people don't want to live in downtown Portland. That's right. They're getting priced out of the market, too. Yeah. So yeah. I just had a question about fun, financing. This is something I was thinking about, so maybe I'm pontificating a little bit. But um, <laughs> you're talking about money have coming a in. That's what we're here. Right, so right, right, right. <laughs> we're going to come talk to you, but I'm just going to say some things that I've been thinking about. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, we're talking about money coming into into the state, and you know, if you represent a third of Portland and then some outlying areas, you know, you're going to look at Portland as, as your, your focus, because those are the people that elected you and, you know, you all the money and the policies and everything that you push are going to be, you know, urban centric as opposed to rural. Um, I think one of the things that COVID really brought out, at least to me, is how, um, it's the, the money they always, the left always talks about the money goes from the city out. You know, it's that they subsidize the the rural or whatever. I think it's less of a subsidy and more of a sort of a trade imbalance because maybe money is going from the the urban to the rural, but the goods and services are coming the opposite direction. Yeah. You know, if if trade stopped between Portland City Center and the rest of America, Portland would die in a couple of days because they'd run out of groceries. Meanwhile, Eastern Oregon. Yeah, because your truck driver's got to get there somehow. Exactly. Are you going to FedEx drop it in? Actually, that happened a couple years ago. I I believe it. But I mean, (laughs) this happened at the very beginning of COVID where trucks started being a little bit harder to come by and everything shut down. And, you know, I know a thing or two about supply chains. And I'm like, it's it's less than a week before we start running out of things in Mm -hmm. the city center. And so, you know, the left can talk all they want about how the, the urban core subsidizes the rest of the state. But guess what? You know those people out with with their ranches and their cattle and their their farms, they'll they'll last a long time if you cut off trade. Whereas Portland City Center cannot. No, and so, you know here's here's the lesson: if you live in it, touch it, or pass through it, you should care for it. Yeah, right. That's it's just it's that simple. I live here. I could stay in this bubble right here mm-hmm. in this nice little house, but guess what? We got to go to work. So I get I have to pass every one of my neighbors. Mm-hmm. I have to go through a different city. I have to go into Clackamas County, and I'll be there, th- you know, throughout the day. Okay, mm-hmm. and then when I leave there, if I want to go see my daughter, I got to go cross through Selwood, go cross over the Selwood Bridge, and go into the city of Portland to visit with her. Mm-hmm. So now I care about what what does that road look like? Wh- who? Where does the um, divide stop? Right, and it doesn't stop. And so if you only care about that Portland says, well, our property values are higher, therefore I pay for it. And okay, that makes sense. I get it, right? It makes mm-hmm. sense to me. My dollars are going to North Clackamas School District, and I don't have kids in North Clackamas School District, so I don't want my tax dollars to go there. No, that that really isn't kind of yeah, how it works. It doesn't work that way. Right? right. You want it right. to kind of work that way only when you're not getting the benefit of the school district. Right. So not not the personal benefit. You know when I don't want to give my money to the school district? Not because my kids aren't there, because when they're not spending it right. Because mm-hmm. I'm okay giving my money to produce well-educated children to come out, come back into the workforce, continue to live in Happy Valley, and feed what I have already fed, and continue the goodness of a, of a, of a vibrant area that people want to live in, work in, and stay in. Mm-hmm. If I send my money to North Clackamas, and the teachers don't get any better, and we're shortage of teachers and the state doesn't fund what they're going to fund and then they're going to tell me that I need to give them more money and it's wasted and then they're not even going to be back in school and then they're going to require my kids to wear a mask and then they're going to require 
and on and on and on. Now I feel like my taxes are not being spent well, so I want to start to pull back. That's probably what you, you know, it's what you see in a citizen where they're like, I don't feel good about this because it's being wasted constantly and, and the bureaucracy see. loves to waste it. We, we just had a podcast where um, we, we sat with uh, two guys who do a, a different podcast and their hook is one's a Republican, one's a Democrat. She was on there. Alex and, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oregon Bridge. Yeah. Oregon Bridge. So you, Lori was you, a guest you know, on there as well. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah, that's they, they beat us to your breaking news. Oh, <laughs> they sorry. scooped us. Ah. Well, well, the next breaking news. We'll, we'll get you next time. But they, um, uh, Ben, the, the gentleman who is the, the left-leaning individual on that podcast made a point on our episode. He said, well, Republicans oppose, you know, new taxes and new spend. There's a very large deer back there. Oh, He's just yeah, kind of putzing across. He's making a, uh, we're going to have a deer this episode is, on our podcast. Sorry, this I always have great. a deer in the backyard. Yeah. This is great radio. <laughs> hey guys, hey guys, can Let's you see the, this thing <laughs> see the deer? But Ben had made the point, he says, well, you Republicans never want to spend taxes, uh, never want to do anything, and, and how do you expect any services or any roads or any anything to get better? And I, the point that I made was that, and I, uh, this is not a popular thing for a Republican to say, but I honest to God believe it. I would give every marginal dollar I had to the government if I thought it was better off in their hands than it is mine. Mm -hmm. If I knew that, I mean, my wife's a teacher. She got shot in the eye with a pencil a couple of days ago. If I knew that kids were not going to shoot my wife in the eyes with pencils, teachers were going to have adequate supplies, grades were going to go up. We're going to have better staff. We're going to have better roads. We're going to have fewer heroin addicts on the street. If if the government could actually accomplish the goals that it sets out, that it just it just has in its basic mission statement. If Google's mission statement is we're going to let you search for things, and then you go there and you say the best restaurant in Portland, and it comes up with a McDonald's in Bend or something like that, Google's not doing its job. It's not going to survive very long as a business. Portland can do this for for forever ad infinitum and then people on the left get mad at us for saying well you guys don't want to give any more your taxes like i'll give you as much taxes as you want just do the basic things that you say you're going to do with the money i'm giving you and what they and what they say is well we just need a little bit more Mm -hmm. you know we can do all these great things but we don't have the money for it you need to give us more money and so this the homelessness thing we just passed another uh, another bond measure last year, you know, more homelessness money, which they didn't have a plan for, you know, now they're coming up with a plan for it after they have the money. Never, you know, typically in business, you have a plan and then you ask for money to fund it. You it don't, sounds like you the know, infrastructure the bill around. that we're seeing. Right. The, the, the blank, absolutely. the blank check infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the city of Portland is terrible. And you know what they're going to do with all that, with all that bond money is they're going to spin it around in circles and pay their friend as consultant jobs to, just well, bigger government and bureaucracy is never a good thing for what we what is once right. a private dollar who turns into a public dollar, right? Right. So I work hard, bring home my paycheck. It's very mm-hmm. simple. Gets mm-hmm. taken out, put into public services. They say they're going to use it for X Y Z transportation fund, you know, park fund, general services fund. That's where it usually gets lost in the general services mm-hmm. portion of it because mm-hmm. we can designate it. And then you change offices and then guess what? This new mayor didn't want what the old mayor wanted. This new congressman said, well, I didn't know that's what they promised. So now I don't want you, you know, right? And all that gets mm-hmm. lost and convoluted and whatnot. What I would take it even further is it's not so much we need more just because, but they play mm-hmm. on our emotions. Now, why is the homelessness crisis gotten out of hand, right? Somebody might ask you that and they just want this simple black and white answer. Right. Well, because it was tolerated. 
yes, that's that's a true statement. Uh, well, we just allow it because you know there was a time of crisis in COVID. Well, that homelessness crisis got out of hand five to seven years prior to that. It's been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. We know. I'm 53 years old. I know that there's been homeless people or transient people on the street since I was a little girl, but it was very small. The community picked it up. Maybe there were church groups, maybe some private groups, and you tried to maybe make the best of the situation. Our drug crisis has participated in this to no end. There's not a chance in hell that these people will survive if they're doing the drugs of today that that weren't around yesterday, so to speak. Um, The wraparound services are limited. They're going to say, well, it's because we don't have enough tax dollars, right? And it does play on our emotions because maybe there's one somebody in sitting here that I don't know that has maybe experienced homelessness or had a friend or family sure. who was homeless. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that if that was to be me, the, the worst thing I could do was to leave them on the street. Mm-hmm. But as a society, we tend to back away and and leave them on the street because we can assign all different reasons, right? And we can categorize people and they do do that. Maybe somebody's just lost their job and they're with their family and kids and they're in their car for a temporary amount of time. That's different than a 27-year-old who's been doing drugs maybe for a very long time who can't hold a job anymore and chooses they don't want to get off the street. Mm -hmm. Very different from a veteran who has given their life for this country and can't manage to get the help he needs and now he or she is on the streets. Very different categories that we should all care about. But how do we solve it? And it usually just isn't give me more money. I'll try to figure out lose it in the blue ribbon, yellow ribbon, and green ribbon committee that everybody always assigns to 48 people from very different walks of life. And at the end of it, we have twice as many homeless people Mm -hmm. and people are frustrated and don't want to give more money. So the tolerance then goes down with the taxpayer and goes up with the leaders who are saying, but we still have this problem, please help. And now you get to run on it again two years later, and it's just a little, oh, look, well, we just need a little bit more. Solve the homeless crisis. And until it's in your backyard, you don't want to continue to solve it because it's easy to say I I vote for I vote for more taxes right over there well if you know our tax system in the state of Oregon you might not always pay that tax Mm -hmm. right so now you can talk well that's a whole nother podcast that we could talk about on how taxes really get (laughs) taken and given to you know because not everybody one neighbor might not be paying what the other neighbors paying but I can tell you that metro tax for homelessness off of a bottom line of a company you might have had to write a check for a fifty or hundred thousand dollars off the bottom line, and that yeah. business owner goes, "This is BS." Yeah. Because I can't go downtown, and I'm trying to pay for something that I have no control over, mm-hmm. and our leaders are not benefiting the citizens, in my opinion, today in the Portland market, in the state market, and yeah. certainly not at the congressional level. So that's why I'm running. That's why I'm running for CD. Five or congressional district to represent Oregon because people are frustrated, people are tired, and they want something different. Well, I'm certainly tired of what's going on, but here, here, all I got is a podcast Um, (laughs) (laughs) and a deer and a deer, the deer, deer. yeah, yeah. Um, Well, we are. That's that's a great place to to kind of wrap it up. One of the things we used to do, and I actually should have given you a heads up ahead of time, but uh, one of the things we like to do as we end the episode is is ask the question: um, Do you have a favorite Republican, and and who is it? 
You said we did. We talked well, about this I know, whole thing. I know, I know, I know. You said we covered I, all the Republicans. My husband is my, my, my favorite part. Republican. There you go, there you go. He's that a, has not been said before. He's a smart <laughs> man, businessman. You know, we start from nothing. We came from farm kids in California. We're farm country, mm-hmm. you know, kids. Uh, we feed the world in that part of Zeta. I have a sister-in-law and a brother who are farmers, right? I, we all start really on the same storyline. And mm-hmm. it's like, how do we become our favorite whatever that is? Well... You know, at some point you have to stand for something. And he always tells me that. He's like, Lori, if you stand for nothing, if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. And so many people right now are feeling like maybe it's changing, but for a long time they stood for nothing because it's just easier. Mm -hmm. Right? We put our heads down. We work hard. We raise our families. And you tend not to pay attention. But I think people are paying attention. And so I want to be the leader of those people who are paying attention. Well, good. Awesome. Good luck to you. And thank you. Uh, thank you again for giving us the time, the opportunity to, to talk to you. And yeah. uh, we'll have you back on real I'd soon. I'd love to come back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll set it up. Um, and listeners, I guess we'll talk to you next time. LoriChavezDreamer.com. LoriChavezDreamer.com. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.